0: Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright.
1: Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic show. I will introduce my guest shortly, and I promise we're going to have a lot of fun. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. One thing I have noticed a lot in business is that people tend to be takers rather than givers. It happens at networking events, it happens on social media, and it happens everywhere. We may not intend on that, but it does frequently give the appearance as if people are taking rather than giving. If you want to earn the right to ask for business, you have to establish liking, knowing, and trusting first. It has to be this way because one asking way too early is like trying to sneak a kiss with someone right after meeting up. It's a huge turnoff. And number two, chances are that I already know a lot of people who do what you do already. So why wouldn't I work with one of them instead of you? I would suggest listening very intently to what the other person's saying and find out how to help them without selling them. People's antennas are already raised all the way up. You have to be different. And not be like everyone else. If you can do this, you will be remembered for the right reasons. Just something to think about. And with that in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. But first, if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please do so. Leave a review. I would love that a lot and we've had a lot of five-star reviews, and that makes my heart happy. I'm very glad that people are enjoying the show and getting something out of it. So here we are with my very special guest this week, Dr. Michael Turner. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's a graduate of Stanford University, Harvard Medical School, and the Mayo Clinic, and has treated over 10,000 patients since 2009. He practices integrative medicine in his own national concierge practice, providing personalized approaches to help people achieve their optimum state of health. He also helps people with things such as hormones, sleep, recovery, nutrition, supplements, and exercise. As a 46-year-old father of five children and CEO of his successful practice, he challenged himself toward optimal health by successfully passing the Navy SEALs fitness test, which is one of the most difficult in the world. He's also the host of the MANA podcast and has over 12,000 active subscribers in his blog on Substack. We have a lot to unwrap and unravel today, so here we are with my very special guest, Dr. Michael Turner. Michael, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brian. Pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. This is going to be a lot of fun. So the question I usually lead with is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now?
2: Yes and no. Uh, I always knew that I'd be doing something meaningful, and I had a strong drive to succeed and excel from an early age. I was I think very affected by a comment, actually a little league baseball coach made when I was about age 11. He Mm. he told my dad, he said, your son's really good. But, you know, if you actually work harder, he could be a lot better. Mm. Yeah. And it just it left this sinking feeling in my stomach, Brian. I sit. I I remember coming away thinking, oh, no, I don't want to be that person. Right. Like Mm -hmm. didn't live up to his potential. Oh, no, that's not going to be my epitaph. You know, like that that hurts. That just feels existentially painful on some level. So, I resolved right there at age 11 like I'm going to be the best little league baseball player I can be and if I can be better if I just work harder then let me start working harder, you know? So, I carried this drive uh through high school, college, med school, etc. um and so I didn't know exactly where I was going to be but I knew I was g- going to be giving it my best and I knew I wanted to help people in some actionable, practical way. Obviously, yeah. health and medicine uh, does that. And so I think I'm living my best Actually, I know. I'm living my best life right now. Uh, I'm I'm at a confluence of feeling good and uh, making a contribution and feeling engaged and uh, bringing my best patient care vision to the world. So it's a great feeling. That is fantastic. What did your path look like prior to your current career? Yeah, well, interestingly, I took some time off between undergrad and medical school. I actually took three years off on purpose. I was just tired of taking tests, but feeling a little burnt out. And I said. You know, I'm not quite ready to go to medical school. I, that has a certain amount of energy, obviously, associated. Let me take some time off. So I worked as a school teacher, greatly enjoyed that. And then for one year, I did odd jobs. I worked as a property manager, drove a bread truck, uh, worked at a ski resort. So that was a great life experience. And then after three years, went on to med school, etc. cetera. And when I finished my career initially, was uh, I was recruited to work in a neuroscience center here in my home state of Washington State and did that very enjoyably for about 12 years. Mm -hmm. But then my health and wellness personal emphasis started to mushroom into my clinical emphasis so much that I outgrew the job description. Essentially, Mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I was talking to patients about things like supplements and, you know, intermittent fasting and certain kinds of exercise regimens and making smoothies and checking your hormones and all this kind of stuff. So it outgrew the neuroscience box that I was hired to do. And so I went into business for myself. And January of 2020, doing integrative medicine.
1: That is absolutely fantastic. So if someone were to ask you, what is your big mission, what would you tell them?
2: My big mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself. That's
1: perfect. And it's short, it's sweet, and we all understand what it is. That's fantastic. So along the way, we all have our ups and downs. I usually like to ask guests about their rock bottom or defining moment. And how did you get out of it?
2: Hmm. Good question. Professionally or personally or either way? Thinking, mm, OK. I'll use an. I'll illustrate with a story that mm-hmm. relates to my time off between undergrad and med school. Right. So mm-hmm. I finished up at Stanford. I had a sizable amount of student debt. I had worked hard, prepared myself to go to medical school. But I told my parents I'm taking some time off. I don't know how long. I just know that I need some time off and I'll tell I'll, I'll let you know when I'm ready. So they were accommodating. Fair enough. We started off. I did two years of school teaching. The third year, because of a girl I was dating, I moved up to Lake Tahoe, California and started working in property management. Well, the relationship fizzled. Uh, Then the job fizzled. I got laid off um, and I was doing some odd jobs, you know, at the ski resort, but not making much money, kind of living hand to mouth. I remember opening my fridge one day. There wasn't much food there. And I thought, There's probably a place where some people go to get food, like a food bank. That's a thing, Uh right? But I've never seen one or been there. I don't know. I feel sort of, how do I even navigate that process? Let me see if I can avoid that. But I was thinking about dialing up, you know, where the local food bank was. Uh, Similarly, my car broke down. I didn't have money to fix my car. I was like bumming rides from friends and things. And uh, I remember going into the store. Uh, actually on my bread truck delivery job. And so I was delivering bread at this point. I had a lumberjack shirt on and I'm putting bread on the aisle and this lady's walking down. And I, I remember to myself, I said, if I told this lady that tomorrow I was going to take off my lumberjack shirt and switch into the one suit that I owned and get on a plane and fly to Boston, Massachusetts and interview at Harvard medical school, would she believe me? You know? And I'm right. like, do I believe it myself? You know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I did. Uh, but I think everyone else was kind of doubting it. Even my parents, I think they 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 wished me well, but I think they f- figured that the dream just died somewhere. But deep in my heart, I knew no. I'm going to go to medical school. I don't care how far off it looks right now. I could be in the middle of this supermarket in a lumberjack shirt delivering bread, but tomorrow I'm going to Harvard Medical School and I'm going to bag that interview. And that's what I did.
1: I love that. That's fantastic. And I bet your experience there was pretty amazing
2: it was it was extraordinary uh they do a really good job of recruiting a diverse class in every sense of the word so i had a guy who grew up in a palestinian refugee camp Mm. i had yeah i had a guy who was uh parents were nigerian immigrants who became a division one college athlete Mm. i had classmates who were road scholars the oldest woman in our class was probably in her early 30s. She had been a social worker in Los Angeles for like a decade and then decided wow. to go to medical school. Yeah. Wow. So uh, pro- about 50% yeah. of the entering class at Harvard Med were so-called non-traditional students, meaning they had taken some time off and had life experiences such as I. and uh, fantastic you know camaraderie and uh, interpersonal learning experience.
1: Absolutely. So what motivated you to take the Navy SEALs fitness test? Because that is a brutal test from everything I understand.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, so I challenged myself to be the healthiest possible version I can be right. And so every year I set a fitness goal. A couple years ago was to run a six minute mile, which was no small shakes for me. I had never Mm -hmm. done track and field across country. That wasn't my thing. I'm kind of a bigger guy, way north of 200 pounds. And at the time I tried to run my six minute mile, I was 38 years old, I think, right? So it was a mm-hmm. bit of a stretch goal, but we did it. Well, fast forward, I saw people on the internet doing the Navy SEALs Fitness Challenge. And I thought, let me try that. That's a stretch goal, you know? Uh, I haven't been in a pool in a while. Uh, I gotta swim, I gotta do push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, I gotta run. Let me just see if I can do it. And so I uh, pushed myself really hard. That was 2021, hired a trainer and just put in the work. And, you know, it was great. It was it was a lesson in self awareness and self-development as i'm sure you're you're very mm-hmm. familiar with and we could talk about right. those things but there's times where you doubt yourself there's times you don't want to get out of bed there's times you feel like you're on some uh you know quixotic journey that's just going nowhere and you're a fool you know and why are you working this hard and and then there's the i remember a test day i got up a test day and i'm like that's it there's no more time you know there's no more Oh, I just need another work week to work out a little harder to get ready. It's like today is test day. It is right. what it is. Like I've right. got to show up and perform today. There's mm-hmm. no excuses. There's no anything. Today, someone's going to pull out a stopwatch and I have to do it. You know? And you never, certain, yeah. Yeah.
1: You never feel ready. Days.
2: Right. Yep.
1: Just You just have to do it. No, that's that's pretty fantastic. I mean, all you can do is prepare the best you can. And when the gun sounds, you you go for it for sure. What is the one action that you wish you would have taken
2: when whenever. Uh, Okay. Uh, the one action I wish I would have taken.
1: I guess I'm asking if you've had any regrets.
2: Yeah. Good question. I think my regrets focus around maybe two things. You know, one is people that I wish I would have spent more time with. Yeah. Right, Brian? Because we take that for granted. We're with someone mm-hmm. and we're having a great conversation. It could be friend, family member. We give them a hug. We'll tell them, see you later. But you don't know that. There's mm-hmm. not always a see you later. You know, I've had close friends die from COVID. I had uh, my brother uh, have a sudden heart problem and die. And you know, I saw him a month prior and I thought it, w- it was just a regular see you later. Yeah. And so I think of relationships I didn't cultivate as well as I should have time. I didn't spend intentionality and focus on being with the people and being present and enjoying them and trying to uplift them, you know, and do be something positive in their life in, in ways that I didn't take enough time to do. Those would probably be where my regret center.
1: Fantastic. We are coming up against our break. This is success profiles. We will be right back. See you on the other side.
0: The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's you
2: never
0: heard. Have you ever had a really
3: bad haircut from a barber or stylist? I mean, so bad it looks like you cut your own hair. What's the word for a person who does cut their own hair? An autotonsorialist. And there's a word for a person who has never had a haircut. He would be called an acercycomic. How many hairs are there in your head anyway? If you're blonde, about 150,000. Brunette, 100,000. Or redhead, 60,000. One out of every 14 women in the United States is a natural blonde. Some people avoid getting their hair cut because they're afraid they'll get not padded that's what it's called when your hair is cut too short. Why do shampoo instructions say lather, rinse, repeat? If you did this, would you ever be able to stop? It's words you never... I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever
1: thought about writing a book? And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dr. Michael Turner. We were talking about integrative and optimal health this week. And if you have not subscribed to Ultimate Achievers Magazine, go to ultimateachieversmagazine.com and you can subscribe and read every single issue we've done for the last five plus years. Once again, that is ultimateachieversmagazine.com. Please do that. I would be honored if you would do that. And if you were to read one issue every week, it would take you over a year to read all the content on the site. So there we go. Ultimateachieversmagazine.com. So Michael, what is the most expensive mistake you think you've ever made? It can be financial. It doesn't have to be. It could be something you gave up on too soon. It could be something that you held on to for too long. But what do you think is the most expensive mistake you've ever made?
2: Hmm. Not showing up to be an excellent husband in my first marriage. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, You know, just struggling with control issues, you know, selfishness, not being understanding and sympathetic. I am a hard driving person with high standards. And so if I don't temper that, it's sort of like high expectations of self, high expectations of others. Right. But that's not always a great place to live in because other people will let you down. And
1: yeah,
2: we have to have a certain level of sympathy and understanding, which I didn't have yeah. at that time. So wow. that was costly personally, financially for my family. I bear yeah. the majority of the responsibility and the breakup of the marriage. And
1: yeah,
2: yeah that was wow. A hard one.
1: Yeah. That's a very honest answer. I really appreciate that. What do you think is the highest value skill anyone can develop?
2: Emotional intelligence.
1: That is a great answer. Tell us why.
2: Absolutely. Well, there are two, and I'm no expert on this, by the way, uh, but I would, as I understand it, there are two main aspects. There's being in touch with your own emotional state, right? So really, truly understanding what are you feeling and why? Oh, I'm feeling frustrated because X, Y, Z, or I'm feeling disappointed, right? Or I'm feeling regretful. Those are all different words, but a lot of times you don't even have a vocabulary to understand our emotions, nor the insight to really pay attention to our bodies and minds and understand what's going on. So as soon as you become aware of yourself, then you can control yourself, which is of course hugely important, right? If you think in a business context, uh, if somebody says something that's a bit hostile or aggressive in the midst of a meeting, you want to have a measure of self-control, right? You want to be the calmest person in the room. You want to take the moral high ground, you know, et cetera. If someone sends out a snarky email, you know, similarly, um, And what's interesting is the Navy SEALs have a creed, which I memorized at one point when I was doing the fitness challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the statements is really, really interesting. And it says, um, uh, let's see, how does it go? Um, My ability to control my emotions, regardless of circumstances, sets me apart from other men. Mm. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. In the Navy SEALs creed, there's a phrase about emotional intelligence. They say, my ability to control my emotions regardless of circumstances sets me apart from other men right and then the other side of emotional intelligence is understanding what you're seeing in other people which Mm -hmm. gets into body language which gets into observation tone of voice all of that Mm -hmm. what emotion am i getting now from this person am i creating frustration in them, for example, oh well, Mm -hmm. let me let me change my approach. What's not going right? Right. You want to be interacting with someone in a way that's tapping into positive emotional response from them. So whatever you're doing, saying, whether it's a sales pitch or business meeting or whatever, you want them to be operating out of delight, you Mm -hmm. know, enjoyment, love, uh, mutuality, respect, right? Shared, shared vision, concepts like that. And so you have to get in touch pretty quickly if you want to be skillful with the emotions of others and how to navigate that. Awesome. So let's talk about
1: medical stuff because this is your area of expertise. The first thing I'm going to ask you is really foundational. How do you know if your doctor is right for you?
2: A couple things. Number one, do they listen to you? Number two, do you feel like a partner in your care? And those questions are highly related, but that's where it would start. If you, Are not feeling listened to, then the doctor's really not going to understand what's going on with you, right? Because you know your body and your circumstances better than anybody else. But if you're not having a chance to express that and it's not being received, then the doctor's having really an incomplete understanding of what's going on. And therefore, your treatment, your outcome will not be great. Um, And then do you feel like you're a partner in your care? Also vitally important. Because at the end of the day, apart from surgical emergencies and, you know, taking cancer tumors out of people and things like that, apart from that, most all medicine is something that you have to do at the end of the day, right? Even if it's mm-hmm. opening your pill bottle, that's a behavior that you have to be partaking in. And so, you know, mm-hmm. how much buy-in are you going to have if you just feel like you're being told to do things and don't really have a voice in creating the yeah. plan?
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So if you're unhappy with your doctor, how do you go about picking the right one?
1: Do you go with referrals? Do you go back to someone in the network? How do you, how do you
2: advocate for that? Well, you know, uh, online reviews are great. Also, mm-hmm. word of mouth referrals, mm-hmm. you know, certainly. Uh, I would mention something a little further, too. Yes. I think to truly find an excellent medical care provider and therefore to truly advance your own health best interests, you need mm-hmm. to find someone outside of the insurance system. Mm. hugely important. Yeah. Outside of the insurance system. The reason I say that is understand that you work for whoever pays you. Okay. It's a maxim, but it's a truth. Mm -hmm. You work for whoever pays you. So if you're looking at it from the doctor's viewpoint, the doctor gets paid by the insurance company. Well, that means he's working for the insurance company. Okay. Now, And also realize that when you signed up for the insurance company, you essentially subcontracted your medical care, right? Right. Because the insurance company is going to decide you can see this doctor and you can't see that one because we have networks. You can go to this pharmacy, but not that one. We're going to pay for this medicine, but not that one. We're going to give you three days for this surgery, not a week. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. you're, you're actually not getting the best medical care. You're just getting the medical care that they decide to pay for. And there's right. a world of difference. Sure. And similarly, the doctor, although he or she may know what is best for you, cannot give it to you. They can only give you what the insurance company is going to pay for because you work for whoever pays you. So as soon as you buy into insurance, you've essentially put a third party – I want you to imagine going into the exam room, sitting down across from your doctor, but right in between you is sitting, the, you know, this big gorilla and the gorilla's an insurance agency, okay? And so there's this gorilla in the room <laughs> right in between yeah. you two, and this gorilla has a financial conflict of interest, okay? That's a negative concept. So when, as long as you're working within the insurance realm, you're g- going to end up getting lower quality care typically, uh, shorter duration visits and less expansive opportunities even presented to you because the doctor's thinking, why would I talk about five different options that insurance isn't going to cover for this patient?
1: Sure. Sure. It's it's a
2: waste of time and energy. We're just going to have to go down a bunch of rabbit trails. I'm just going to dole out what I know insurance will cover. It's drug Mm -hmm. X or it's procedure Y and Mm -hmm. you know, and let's move on.
1: And so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So let's talk about feeling half your age. I mean, what are secrets for peak performance after you reach, say, 40 years old? Because your body isn't the same after 40 as it is before 40, for sure.
2: Yeah, of course. Secrets for, yeah, feeling half your age, peak performance. Well, there are several. I think the first thing is, let's just hit on the the main components of health. So Mm -hmm. physical activity, movement, right? There Mm -hmm. needs to be some sort of physical activity built into your day. And the first rule there is that it needs to feel fun. That's actually my first rule, Brian. So some people, they kind of berate themselves and say, oh, I got to get back in the gym. Oh, I need to do this. But it, the idea doesn't even feel fun to them, then they're already in a losing battle. Because to go back to emotions, they're just operating out of willpower at that point, mm-hmm. right? And it's yeah. going to wear off. So my first rule as far as building exercise in your life in a sustainable way is it needs to feel fun.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then, you know, when you talk about nutrition, uh, the simplest concept would be a low-sugar diet a diet that's low in refined carbs a diet that's low ish in meat in other words plant based trying to avoid processed foods and definitely trying to avoid sugar if you if you can manage some of those principles, your health will start to lift off extra credit would be starting to make smoothies I'm a big advocate of smoothies, right anybody mm-hmm. can take a little neutral bullet, throw a handful of baby spinach in a little bit of berries, maybe a scoop of you know whey protein powder or something Tastes great and uh nutritious is all get out think of it like a a salad in a cup essentially so making smoothies and then the last part would be actually your sleep which kind of gets into your recovery and rest so most people have increasingly disturbed sleep as they get older right people Mm -hmm. come to me and say i have trouble falling asleep because i'm anxious because my mind's ruminating about something i'm thinking about what i have to do tomorrow or i get up three times at night to use the restroom right or i snap awake in the morning i don't know how to fall back asleep so people's sleep starts to get degraded. And unfortunately, they reach this uneasy truce in which they think that's normal, but it's not. So to feel half your age, you really need to get control of your sleep. I advocate buying a fitness tracker and you know, actually taking measurements of how much deep sleep you're getting, so-called stage four or deep sleep, and starting to make some changes, which we could go in more into specific changes. But quality sleep will leave you feeling rejuvenated, that's for sure. Yeah. Is there a specific fitness tracker that you recommend? No, there's not. No. So Fitbits work well. I mean, Apple watches, there's a few different ones, but something that's giving you feedback on your sleep so that you get up the next day and it'll tell you exactly how much time was restless, how much time was restful, et cetera. Oh, fantastic.
1: fantastic. We've got a couple minutes to our next break. Let's start talking about boosting testosterone because for men in particular, uh, but testosterone production decreases with age. How can we get our mojo back without taking drugs?
2: Absolutely. Great question. Very, very important. Um, several ways. So first of all, let's sleep. Let's begin there. Your body mm-hmm. has a rhythm within all of its different hormones. But as relates to testosterone, your brain is secreting something during the middle of the night called luteinizing hormone, LH. Mm which then hits the testicles so that in the morning you get a burst of testosterone. So testosterone production peaks at around 8 a.m. Well, what happens if you're getting choppy sleep? The answer is you're not getting as much hormonal production. And so your peak output that next morning is going to be down. Uh, Drinking alcohol, for example, will also lower testosterone and Mm -hmm. significantly ends up impacting sleep in a negative way. So uh, doing some consistent form of... exercise more on the side of strength training will actually boost testosterone. So mm-hmm. imagine, you know, doing manly stuff, uh, chopping wood, lifting something mm-hmm. heavy, you know, lifting a wheelbarrow full of concrete, moving it around, something like that. Uh, yeah. Other kinds of exercise are good as in aerobic stretching flexibility, but they're not mm-hmm. going to boost testosterone like right. strength training would be. Right. So yeah. that is key. Um, I would say also there are certain supplements that are known to be really helpful for boosting testosterone. I'm a fan of something called Tongkat, T-O-N-G-K-A-T, and then Ali, A-L-I, Tongkat Ali, boost testosterone. Uh, Dr. Humermans talked about this. Um, Also, Fadoja, F-A-D-O-G-I-A, Agrestis, Mm -hmm. uh, also helpful for boosting testosterone. And Boron, which is a trace mineral, will actually help boost testosterone. So right away, I get patients on those three. Awesome. uh, We'll be right back.
1: If you want to know more about how to write a non-fiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's Briankwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dr. Michael Turner. We're talking about integrative and optimal health. If you've not picked up my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur and there are three volumes in this series, volume one, volume two, volume three, pick those up on Amazon. And if you're running a business and you would like to know how to navigate through some of the ups and downs of your entrepreneurial journey, those books are excellent resources because a bunch of my friends have contributed chapters about how they've negotiated through some of the things that maybe you've been going through or have gone through or maybe are about to go through. So pick those up. The greatest lessons I learned from being an entrepreneur, volume one, two, and three on Amazon, get that today. So, Michael, let's talk about brain health. What are some of the best things we can do to stay mentally sharp at any age?
2: Absolutely. The first one would be brain uh, blood flow. You want to maximize blood flow to your brain. Um, This would occur such as through exercise, for example. A lot of people don't realize that if after a period of exercise, you're demonstrably smarter. They've done a number of studies like this, but they'll show you, for example, random names and faces. And... They will have half the group just sit in a chair and stare out the window and half the group ride an exercise bike for 20 minutes and then come back and retest. And lo and behold, the people who are exercising always have better recall. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's fascinating. And this this is a robust finding, been studied from many different angles. You are demonstrably smarter on tests of recall, IQ, et cetera, in the post-exercise period. One of the reasons is blood flow increases to your brain. You can think of it like a dimmer switch on the wall, right? You're throwing the dimmer switch to full-on, when you're doing cardiovascular exercise, and your brain actually perks up in its function. Besides that, this also gets into BDNF, which uh, is hugely important. Uh, It's a molecule called brain derived neurotrophic factor. But I encourage everyone to read about this. It's pretty interesting. Essentially, I call it miracle grow for the brain. So BDNF, when it is secreted in your brain helps improve the connections between nerves, especially in areas important for learning and memory. And so exercise, it turns out, boosts BDNF levels. You can draw people's blood and you can measure BDNF and you see that it rises in the several hours after exercise. So having a sharper brain uh, begins with optimal blood flow to your brain, which that also then segues into cardiovascular health, right? So this gets into you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Do you smoke? Do you have diabetes, right? Is there inflammation in your body? Other Mm -hmm. aspects of cardiovascular health. Just think of this, anything that negatively affects cardiovascular health, as in, oh, it's not good for my heart, or it's a stroke risk or something. The same is true for your brain. If it's not good for your heart, it's not good for your brain. They both need blood flow. They both need an optimal cardiovascular system. So that's, Supremely important. We could talk about some other things for the brain. I mean, there are certain foods to avoid, certain foods to pursue, and certain supplements um, mm-hmm. if you want to. But yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, in addition to exercise, in order to increase BDNF yep. in our body, you talk about intense exercise. How does intermittent fasting work with that? Does that help?
2: Intermittent fasting does help mental, ac- mental acuity. Um, it tends to reduce measures of inflammation in the body and it tends to even out some of the swings in blood sugar that you have. So mm-hmm. people, when they go on fasting, they do talk about feeling more mentally clear. Um, I don't know if it affects BDNF exactly, but there is a connection as you start to fast people anecdotally. And, uh, you know, even scientifically, we understand that you start to feel sharper if you're not yeah. eating all the yeah. time. Yeah. I would imagine eating right helps to cutting out sugar and, uh, saturated fat Yes, absolutely. Saturated fats interesting. Um it causes an immediate reduction in blood flow and it also promotes inflammation of the blood vessels. Mm. Okay, and it promotes blood clotting. Mm. So there are all these debates about saturated fat and does it raise cholesterol, is butter good and is butter not good, you know. Mm-hmm. That that that's all kind of out here on on one side, but I'll just say what's very direct and certain is that saturated fat does causes immediate reduction in blood flow through your vessels and it promotes inflammation and blood clotting. So it's not a great thing. Um, so yeah, avoiding saturated fat, um, avoiding anything that promotes inflammation like sugar, for example, Mm -hmm. is very pro inflammatory. Um, uh, and then on the other hand, certain things are great for the brain. Blueberries, for example, very well known. If you just do a little research on blueberries and brain health, you'll find out tremendous benefit there. Um, things that reduce inflammation naturally, such as ginger or turmeric, are also yeah. therefore helpful for the brain. Yeah. Uh, and then there are certain supplements that I'm a big fan of. I would, just to give you the top two, I, there's probably six or seven that I like to use with patients, but for time's sake, the top two would be fish oil, aka omega-3 fatty acids. Could be flaxseed oil or algae oil, doesn't matter. It's the omega-3s in the end. Supremely helpful for brain health and also ginkgo, ginkgo biloba, uh, which is a tree comes out of uh, China, if I'm not mistaken. Very, very helpful for gink- for blood health. I'll just give you my quick anecdote on ginkgo. One of the most prominent uh, brain researchers is Daniel Amen. Mm-hmm. You heard that name, right? Yep. And so I was at a yep I was at a anti-aging medical conference in Las Vegas. Daniel Amen's on stage giving his presentation about brain health, and he has one of the largest repositories of brain scans of any institution because he's been doing pet scans on his patients since I think the mid eighties, there's Mm -hmm. an incoming and outgoing pet scan that you get pet PET scan, by the way, for your listeners is a measure of blood flow to certain parts of the brain. Anyway, here was his quote from the stage. He goes, all of my best brains, meaning all the best looking brains on pet scans. And functionally, he goes, all of my best brains take Ginkgo. Mm. That was exactly his quote. And I wrote that down in my notebook. I went out and bought some Ginkgo on Amazon the very next day. Uh, so, yeah, all of my best brains take Ginkgo. So wow. Ginkgo and fish oil are two, two fantastic ways to start there. And I would mention one other thing, too, which is challenging yourself to learn something. Okay, brain operates on the same use it or lose it principle as, you know, other parts of your body, right? So when we're typically not challenging ourselves, our brain's just slowly deteriorating. But we can flip that on its head and say, what if we could prevent dementia? What if we could actually, you know, pursue and enhance neural connections can we and what do we need to do? And the answer is yes. You just need to challenge yourself. You need to learn new things, right? So Mm -hmm. like learning an instrument or learning a language or learning a new dance or even some type of exercise. Uh, Again, this is the beauty of exercise. Not only do you get cardiovascular benefit and blood flow to your brain, not only do you get BDNF release, but what you don't realize is exercise is also a complex activity for your brain. If you think about running, your brain has to coordinate, right? This part of my hip muscle fires, but on the opposite leg that it has to relax and the opposite muscle has to fire. And my arm has to do this and my shoulder blade has to do that. And I have to be in sense. I have to have a sense of balance. So I don't fall forward over my Mm -hmm. leg. Right. So running is actually a complex brain activity Mm -hmm. uh, or doing things like yoga. There's a, there's, your body has to be aware of where you are three dimensionally in space or lap swimming, right? You're, you're on your stomach in a different environment. You have to be aware aware of where, you are three dimensionally. So it involves, Your brain, a lot of different regions in your brain starting to talk to each other, essentially, to learn some new type of three-dimensional movement.
1: Yeah, I I love all this. Brain health is so, so interesting. I would imagine that going outside and getting some sun solves a lot of issues, right?
2: Uh, It does. So on the side of brain health and the sun, what's interesting is that um, sunshine stimulates synthesis of serotonin. Um, I didn't realize this until a couple months ago I was doing the research serotonin being one of your made mood neurotransmitters, but actually sunshine will stimulate synthesis of serotonin and also uh, in hitting your optic nerve and going back to your brain ramps up synthesis of other neurotransmitters, including dopamine. So there's a direct effect from being exposed to the sun and feeling happy and upbeat neurochemically. Yeah. chemically. For sure, for sure. So what is the connection
1: between the brain and weight loss? I know on this show we talk a lot about mindset and how we feel like we deserve a healthy body to have one, but is there something scientific to that?
2: Ah, great point. Well, I would say a couple things. If you are obese, that that is thought to be a negative concept towards brain health. right? Uh, right? In terms of levels of inflammation, levels of insulin, for example, that get released. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's a negative. On the flip side, I would say it's a connection of the mind more than anything. So having the right kind of mindset um, will obviously then help, you know, produce weight changes that are healthy for you. And this Mm -hmm. typically gets down to, again, back to emotions, emotional management, right? A lot of people who have trouble with weight, they may be eating for emotional reasons, whether it's stress eating or comfort, something like that. So if you get the brain neurochemistry, right, or at least you get the mind in terms of thinking patterns and such, right? For example, dopamine um, is a neurotransmitter, you're going to try to get some dopamine from somewhere, right? If you get it naturally from exercise or naturally from sunlight, maybe you don't need it from Ben and Jerry's, right? You know? Uh, So getting the neurochemistry right, and then getting your mindset right of, Mm-hmm. you know, appropriate forms of stress relief or appropriate forms of seeking comfort, you know, outside of food starts to do a lot. Yeah, no, I certainly understand. And the idea of staying socially
1: engaged certainly helps too, right? I mean, if you live at home and you don't ever go anywhere, that's going to be a very different experience from someone who goes out and meets people and sees people all the time, right?
2: Yeah. Social engagement, hugely important uh, for mood, obviously mental health. Yes.
1: Big emphasis. Yeah, because yeah. I can tell you, for example, when let's just say you've got an older couple and one of them passes on and mm. the other person, the, the one who's still remaining, misses that that partner a lot and then starts to maybe start refusing social situations because they're used mm. to doing everything with their spouse. Right. Is there a substitute for I mean, Not not a substitute necessarily, but I mean, you get you, you have to make an effort to just go out and be around people. Anyway, I think there's a real temptation to want to retract instead of expand at that point.
2: True. And I think that's where loved ones of the surviving spouse have to come forward and encourage that person to still get out. You know, um, it's a, it's a fact that social connectedness is associated with longevity. If you've heard of the idea of the blue zones, Those are the Mm -hmm. zones around the world where people live the longest. And there were studies done that looked at what are the common factors of these blue zones. And one of them was social connectedness. Everywhere there was a blue zone, people were living a long time. They knew their neighbors. They got out. They had communal gardens. You know, they did Tai Chi classes together. They took care of each other's kids. There was some sense of communal living and some sense of I'm needed by other people. And so I have a purpose,
1: you know. Yeah. Uh No. Yeah, for sure. We've got less than two minutes until our final break. We've talked about getting better sleep. Is Are there best practices for this? For example, you know, getting away from your phone for the, the last, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour, whatever that is. But what can we do to get better quality sleep at
2: night? Absolutely. A number of things. Let's just start with the right environment. So Think of a tomb. A tomb is cold and dark and quiet, and that's what you mm-hmm. want. So you sleep best about 65 or 66 degrees. It needs to be a little cool to the point where you need to pull up the cover slightly. On the flip side, you can imagine if you're hot and sweaty, tossing and turning, you're not getting great sleep, right? So right. cold, dark, hugely important. I particularly wear eye shades every single night, um, or this gets into blackout curtains. Um, light is a s- alerting stimulus light will go through even if your eyes are closed right you can think about camping if you're camping in a tent you might have been exhausted the night before and gone to bed late but as soon as the sun rises you snap awake right mm-hmm. why is that because even though you're asleep and your body's tired the sunlight is entering going through the tent surface going mm-hmm. through your closed eyelid going yep. into your pupil, going to your brain and causing you to feel awake so you need to be a dark
1: environment. And we'll be right back. This is Success Profiles Radio.
0: The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio.
1: are in business what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth not having enough leads data is the new gold rush with phone sites that is never an issue you can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker with phone sites you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app it's easy and you have nothing to lose try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash brian once again that's phonesites.com forward slash brian
3: Heard about the two window washers who were trapped on a dangling scaffold nearly 70 stories high on the new One World Trade Center tower for nearly two hours. Just a little more than a week after the nation's tallest building officially opened, throngs of New Yorkers were gone goozling up at the window washers as firefighters sawed through a thick double layered window to rescue them. Talk about horripilation or an experience that gives you goosebumps. The first scaffolding in New York for window cleaning was constructed in 1952. A single cleaning cycle on the 80-story glass walls of the Time Warner Center can take six men over four months to complete. The pay is good, but people with acrophobia or the fear of heights need not apply. It's Marching carolyn davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app too funny for words
0: welcome back to success profiles radio so many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have and this show will clearly demonstrate the principles if i can do it you can do it so let's get back to the show this is success profiles radio and here again is your host brian k wright
1: we're back. This is success profiles radio. If you've not downloaded and subscribed success profiles radio on Apple podcast, iTunes, that would be really wonderful if you did also, if you have Siri or Alexa or your Google device, you can ask it to play success profiles radio and you will hear the last episode that was recorded. And so after today, that will be this one. So if you want to hear it all again, that would be fantastic. So Michael, let me ask you about dementia. We've been talking about brain health for a good share of the show can dementia be prevented are there best practices that can either prolong or prevent it from happening
2: yes absolutely first of all uh, cardiovascular health as we were discussing blood flow absolutely foundational so everything that can be done to create a healthy heart can be done to create a healthy brain aka prevent dementia another way of saying that is if you ask the question can a heart attack be prevented it's the same question as can dementia be prevented through healthy mm-hmm. blood flow and cardiovascular fitness? Definitely. Um, dementia can also be prevented through ongoing engagement of the brain. Again, you know, use it or lose it principle. So keeping active, whether that's through Sudoku puzzles or, you know, learning mm-hmm. a new language or learning a new sport, uh, an instrument, etc., cetera. Um, and, uh, you know, through I would say social connectedness as well then, right? Because Mm -hmm. you are, uh, interacting, you're reviewing words, you know, vocabulary, you're speaking, you're reading body language, um, Mm -hmm. you're participating in life. So to, to hit it from three categories, I would say those, and then there are some add ons like the types of foods you eat and the supplements that you would take generally towards reducing inflammation and reducing oxidative stress, uh, and improving blood flow. Those would be the three categories. Now, what if it runs in your family? Yeah, it's a challenge. So my father died of Alzheimer's. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to move him out of his house, move him to a care home in Phoenix Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. Um, And it was sad, you know, to see that. So Mm -hmm. it's a concern. There are certain genetic risk factors, um, uh, including something called the APOE1 uh, Mm -hmm. gene. So you can look at whether you're, you have a risk factor, but even if you do that genetic risk factor, it's not destiny by any means. So, the lifestyle part comes hugely into play to prevent dementia. Exactly as I said, healthy eating, uh, right. healthy exercise, social connectedness, learning new things, all that mm-hmm. goes a long way.
1: Yeah. I love that you said so puzzles because that can be very, very helpful. Would you think that's the best – single best thing we can do or just anything that will stimulate brain use?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know uh, – anything is is better than nothing and many things are very very good right but Mm -hmm. i'll take my cue again from daniel amen who at his lecture at the same uh any aging medicine conference in las vegas he got up on stage and he said the single best uh thing for brain health as as far as an activity was ping pong if you can believe it table tennis Mm. yeah and he's done some research on that yeah apparently it's outstanding for brain health just in terms of the coordination and you know eyesight and tracking the ball and velocity and movement and and this and that that surprised me a little bit but he said that activity was very very in terms of just one thing if you had to say go do something you know to keep your brain up it was table tennis now yeah yeah, not everybody's cup of tea but that's that's
1: amazing as long as you're not as long as you're not playing a a world champion right Right. What can we do to increase mental focus throughout the day? Because sometimes, I mean, we have our ebbs and flows. I'm a morning person. I know people who are nighttime people. And when I say I'm going to bed at nine o'clock, they think I'm a wimp. No, no, I get up at six. So no, I'm a morning person.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, mental focus throughout the day. Um, yeah. I would say, first of all, realize, be in touch with yourself and realize when your attention is starting to wane, Right. Mm-hmm. So I remember I had to learn this lesson during undergrad and during med school. Right. So imagine you're cramming for an important test and it's Saturday and you're going to go to the library and you're going to cram all day. Well, are you just going to study for an hour straight, two hours, three hours? When do you need a break? Right. And it turns out that the research has been done. Last time I checked in, this was probably a decade ago. But uh, as I was going through med school and stuff, the re- the optimal time frame was about 50 minutes and 10 minutes. Okay, so 50 minutes on and then 10 minutes of rest. And so when I would go study at Harvard and I had to cram, that's what I would do. Go to the library, 50 minutes on. As soon as that 50-minute mark hit, I would stop, stretch, do something completely unrelated, and mm-hmm. then come back to it in, in 10 more minutes. So 50-10. Yeah. Uh, now, maybe some newer research is showing something slightly different, but that's going to roughly be the, uh, the concept there. So realize where your attention is starting to wane. Um, you know, do that. Do something like that. Uh, And then, you know, I'm a big fan of doing one thing at a time. The idea of multitasking is a little bit of a farce and an illusion, Mm -hmm. right? We've learned in neuroscience, modeling the brain and looking at how decisions are made and stuff. And multitasking just means things just kind of run slower in parallel. um, And you're better off to just knock one thing out at a time. So eliminate distractions, obviously turning off your phone when you have to get serious about things, you know, shutting down extraneous web browsers on your computer that type of thing. Um, and then sometimes an image can help. So I, I imagine a laser beam actually, mm-hmm. and I just imagine this red laser beam and that's sort of my mental cue towards focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that. Let's talk
2: about probiotics because I've, I've heard that taking a probiotic is really good for gut health. Is that true? Oh, yes, absolutely. Extraordinarily helpful. Um, you know, you have so-called normal intestinal flora, which are actually several trillion bacteria that live in your GI system, and those are doing healthy and important things for us. Um, Probiotics nurture those, whether through substances that the bacteria use to stay healthy and propagate or by directly introducing new bacterial strains. Mm -hmm. So your GI tract absolutely depends on healthy probiotic balance. First of all, it's good for the immune system. Um, So your immune system is constantly interacting with your GI tract since that's the main way that foreign particles enter your body. And so there's a helpful interaction at the interface essentially of healthy uh, bacteria and then the the nearby adjacent immune system. Um, But the probiotics are also involved in synthesis and processing of certain vitamins uh, and also help with uh, obviously overcoming, you know, digestive intolerance problems or diarrhea, things like that, especially if one's taking antibiotics. I mean, for every day of antibiotic, you should be on a probiotic to restore normal GI function. Wow.
1: That's interesting. I didn't know that it helped produce vitamins. That's, that's really interesting. I like that a lot. So, We've talked about intermittent fasting and, and is that something that you recommend on a regular basis or stay with it for a while, then get off of it, then go back to it? How do you, how do you recommend that?
2: I like it as more of a lifestyle. It's not an absolute for everyone, Brian, but for people who want to lose weight, let's say, uh, or want to lower their blood sugar, then Mm -hmm. yes. And it's a lifestyle. And I think of it as an eating window. So I think of it as an eight hour eating window, let's say 10 AM to 6 PM or extra credit, Noon to 6 p.m., right? And then, other than that, you're not eating. The beauty of this is it gives your body time, uh, to uh, apart from managing blood sugar and apart from insulin, which is a hormone that manages blood sugar, it, it gives that whole system a rest essentially, yeah. and also it allows time for you to tap into stored fat as a source of energy, right? If you're always Mm -hmm. putting something in your mouth, then you are by definition kind of always running off of that energy that you just ate. You're never really tapping into fat reserves. So sometime after you eat dinner, about two or three hours later, all of that nutrition sort of washes through your body. Sometime in the middle of the night, your body switches over to fat burning mode. So when you wake up in the morning, your body's in fat burning mode. So for my weight loss patients, I tell them, Hey, why ruin it by some, putting something in your mouth right away, right? Ex, in, instead, extend it, accentuate it, Let that fat burning mode run all the way out till 10: 11 a.m and mm-hmm. extra credit, go do some cardio exercise or something in the morning. Yeah so that's really helpful. And in that sense, it's kind of uh, you know an overturning of traditional dogma. In, in the past, we've emphasized breakfast a lot. This mm-hmm. sort of de-emphasizes breakfast. Right. Um, right? Definitely. Or at least it says push off breakfast and call it brunch. But the first thing you need to do in the morning is not put something in your mouth. The first thing you need to do in the morning is probably some physical activity and just let your body sit there in fat burning mode. And the the other beauty of that is you actually don't have to eat anything different. You can eat exactly what you're eating right now, but if you put it within the six or eight hour eating window, you will start to lose weight.
1: That's amazing. Let's talk about corporate wellness programs because you help corporations create wellness programs. So is there an assessment first to see what they need or do you think they know what they need or do they already know? How does that work when you work with a client, a corporate client?
2: Yeah, it really begins with a sit down, you know, uh, with the people in the C-suite, the decision makers trying to understand who are their clientele, what sorts of problems are they having, what are their pinch points, what are their desires. So it can look different. Um, At times we've done, for example, workplace wellness initiatives where there was a lot of buy-in and enthusiasm from the corporation itself, and so they had sort of moderators and small group leaders, and I would give those people uh, coaching assignments and questions once a week, and then that would be followed up with me giving a lecture once a week, and that would be followed up with certain metrics like blood pressure, blood sugar, you know, weight, uh, and then, you know, how many glasses of water did you drink today, things like that, and then they also organized group activities like, hey, on Saturday we're going to take a bike ride, or we're going to hike along this river, etc. Mm-hmm. So uh, it can look A variety of different ways as necessary for the individual corporation, but a powerful concept, number one, because people spend a lot of time at work, obviously. Mm -hmm. And number two, if they're not motivated in finding the accountability outside of work hours, which by definition, they're not, if they're currently unhealthy, then Mm -hmm. work is the next logical place to bring that in, right? And you can affect large numbers of people at once as well mm-hmm. so if it becomes part of your corporate culture that hey we take care of ourselves you know you know strong mind strong body you know we're going to show up at work to be our best selves i think of it as you know the japanese car companies they had their guys out doing calisthenics in the morning on the assembly line right remember that back in mm-hmm. the 80s we right. learned that we're like oh, that looks kind of weird you know gm doesn't do that you know <laughs> all the japanese guys were out there doing stretches and calisthenics because it's it's putting your body in a prime state to uh do the company's work that day
1: Absolutely. Less than two minutes until the end. So here's the question I ask everyone, Michael, who inspires and motivates you? Who
2: inspires and motivates me? Well, uh, God, God inspires and motivates me. Um, Yeah. And then to put one word on it, that's what it's about. It's about um, me trying to have the best spiritual connection I can have with God on a given day and Mm -hmm. being motivated towards being the best human that I can be. I love that. So as we start to wind down, how can we try with you and vibe with you? What resources
1: are available for us to follow you and learn more?
2: Well, thank you. Uh, Just to direct to one resource, I would say it's my Substack page. So drturner.substack.com. You can find podcast episodes and blog articles and also a chance to connect if you want to work with me personally in terms of integrative medicine and then links out to my other social media, etc. So it's one stop shopping at drturner.substack.com. Fantastic. Final thought you'd like to share with us in the last thirty seconds? I would say a proverb, which is um, the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago. The second best time is today.
3: Meaning, Fantastic.
2: take that action today to be to create a future that you want to see for yourself twenty years from now.
1: Awesome, we're at the end of the show. Michael, thank you for being here and thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until next week, take care everyone. Goodbye, have a great week.
0: Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, BrianKWright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Run.